0: mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Anytime we hear an account like this gospel reading from Mark, we see Jesus reveal himself as God in the flesh. Miracles do that. Miracles show us and point us to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. So he is the Lord of creation who has restored his people and gives them a glimpse of a future glory to come. So that's what Jesus did for this man, and that's what you see he does for you today. So knowing this, then, let's explore this a little bit further. And Jesus teaches you there are both spiritual and physical elements to this miracle, and they reveal to you about what he has done for you and what you have in eternal life. So listen again to what your Lord did. Then he, Jesus, Returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ear and after spitting touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. So God has opened your ears and released your tongue. This is the first thing you see from this reading about what God has done for you, and it's nothing insignificant. Lest you forget about this, that God shows you that you need to have God speak and act to bring you into his kingdom and make you a Christian. That epistle reading from Romans sums this up well when St. Paul writes by divine inspiration, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So without God preaching to you and using his means of grace, you wouldn't believe in Jesus. Now as good Lutherans catechized and had to memorize the small catechism, that's obvious. That's a, well, yeah, duh. But sometimes we take that for granted. That gift of faith and being able to speak the things of God, it's nothing short of a miracle. We always want to think of miracles as raising the dead, which is a miracle, or giving this man uh, his hearing again, and that too is a miracle, but it's no different than Jesus opening the ears of the physical things when he gives us faith, because we can't see God, we can't hear him, we can't come to him on our own, plain and simple. But that's why God's mercy and grace extends to the fact that he takes people, he takes us who can't believe him or come to him and are actually turned against him because of sin and gives us faith to trust in him and what he has done for us. The formula of Concord, one of the documents of the Lutheran confessions, there was a controversy at the time when this was going around that whether what does the will play in all of this? That is, can you make some decision or play any part of this? And there were some that were saying that we're just neutral in this, that God just acts on us. But it talks about in this too, it describes as well, that we're even worse than a block of wood or a rock because they just sit there, but we're actively opposed to God and our sin. We're going in the opposite direction, and we are God's enemies. But God turns us. He converts us. And how he does this is he preaches Christ to sinners, to the very people who hate him. And that's a wonderful thing, but it's foolishness to the world. The world is scandalized or stumbles over this because it is scandalized by Christ. And sadly, even well meaning Christians are scandalized that God is the one who creates faith completely on his own. It may be easy for those who have faith to believe God would save us by his grace alone and without anything we have done. But then you start asking questions about what faith is and what faith isn't, and we want to add a yeah but to it. Because that old Adam in us still wants to claim some type of ownership that we decided or we responded with the decision or somehow played some part, however small or minuscule in faith. We want to hang on to whatever we can. And one way you can do this is look at how we talk about faith. When we talk more about faith, or my faith, then we are in danger of turning faith into a quality in our lives rather than the instrument which received Christ and his benefits. Now, that's not to say we can't talk about my faith. But the point being is it also runs the risk of seeing our faith as the cause of things, good or bad, in our lives. For example, my faith is what healed me. Or bad things are happening, I need just to have more faith. But like being saved by grace alone, if faith is not completely 100% and solely a gift and work of God, then what becomes of faith? Well, one of the most common ways of teaching salvation by works today is not flat out saying God commands us to work out our salvation by working, doing good works to save ourselves, but it's when faith is seen in terms of our own action. When faith becomes about this rather than the author and giver of faith. So then, if faith is a gift, and it is, then God's grace and mercy are far reaching beyond measure. Faith no longer is about my faith for its own sake, but rather faith is all about the object of it Jesus. God has said to you, Be opened. He has converted you to believe in Christ unto salvation. One of my favorite things about the matin service is how does that service begin with the opening versicles? It's from Psalm 51. Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. The very fact that we're even sitting here today and our lips are singing and saying back forth God's word is because he is the one who has loosed our lips. And he puts that confession into our mouths and we speak it out. So he has worked that miracle in your life. Each and every one of you, God has worked a miracle. And he also keeps you in this faith. So with those same things, the Holy Spirit gave you faith, the means of grace, he's also the one keeping you in the faith. God doesn't just do something and set it loose and say, let's see what happens, let's see where this goes. So when you forget that or separate yourself from the word and sacraments, you are then once again placing your faith into your own hands. And that will never end well. Faith will die, and you will perish eternally. But God, though, once again, out of his mercy and grace, he will guard and keep you. He will surely preserve you in that which he has already given to you. God will not fail, nor will he ever fail. He alone is faithful. He alone guards and keeps you as his dear children. Now, the second thing you see in this gospel reading today is that God not only cares about your spiritual well-being, but he has redeemed your body and will restore it when you are raised up on the last day. Pastor Lingard at the beginning was talking about those great reversals. So you think about, right, here's sinners who are enemies of God. God turns into Christians. And also then, too, we who are sinners and in this body, we see these things around us. He is the one who, as we are headed to death, gives us life. So your physical body is important. This flesh and blood that you have matters to God. And why is that? Because he's created you. He's formed you. So St. Mark recorded for you, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So Jesus does all things well. He's not just a good preacher, which he is a good preacher, but he even works physical miracles. Even as Moses recorded in the creation account of God seeing what he had created, and it was what? Good. After the fall into sin, creation groans out in longing for redemption. Romans talks about that, that groaning. Because bodies decay, they get sick, they're born with deformities, And each breath is one closer to the last. I'm only in my 30s, but it seems like each time I get up from the couch, I start making more old man voices all the time, groaning. But the God who created all things is the same God who took on human flesh, yet without sin, and entered into creation in the womb of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. So when you think about that for a minute, God has a body. Because Jesus is fully God and fully man. His whole life on this earth was lived in obedience to the law of God, which that first man, Adam, sinned against and brought about the righteous judgment of death against himself and his body. But Jesus is not defeated by death because he has no sin. No deceit is found in his mouth. But instead, dying the death of a sinner, Jesus redeemed your body and soul. So by his death, he destroys death. And by his bodily resurrection from the grave, he proclaims to you that you are forgiven, and this flesh and blood that you have right now will rise from your grave too. Salvation in the Christian faith are physical along with spiritual. So then these miracles of healing like this one that St. Mark records for us in that brief encounter, they point you to the future when you will no longer face sin and all of its ramifications. Because when Jesus came into the world, stuff happened. And really, it should be no surprise. These people were astonished. But when you look at that Jesus opens this man's ears and unlooses his tongue, when we listen to the scriptures, this is what the Messiah had come to do. The prophet Isaiah said, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exalt in the Holy One of Israel. Jesus is God in the flesh. God said he was going to do this. He did it, and he even tells us he will do it again. Because the Lord will raise you up to immortality and corruption. And it is not yet a little while. No more suffering. No more sickness, no more disabilities, no more dying, no more groaning. All will be gone. And God will replace those things with life eternal. So dear people of God, hear these words of God today. See yourself, repent of your sin, and humble yourself before the Lord. Live out your life in those words of the gradual, which we heard a few minutes ago. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. So behold your God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Hear. Be glad. See Jesus and what wonders he has done in healing this man, opening his ears, unloosing his tongue, And rejoice that he has done miraculous things for you too. He's redeemed you by his own blood. He's given you faith, which clings to him, and he preserves and keeps you in it. He keeps preaching to you. He's baptized you. He feeds you with his own body and blood. He absolves you of your sins. And all the while, he's pointing you to that last and final day when he will raise you up. And you will stand before him, no longer corrupted by sin, no longer all of these things. And just as those people that day saw that he does all things well, you too will see that he has indeed done all things well, now and forever. Amen.